Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. Welcome Catherine, welcome Shona. How are you? I'm good, Emma. Welcome, Emma. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me. I'm great today. Thank you. Catherine? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very good. well. Good. I'm glad we're all well. <laughs> so polite. <laughs> I was at a funeral just there um, and I was remembering uh, quite a funny story because like I was telling you in the text that we they, they played a Lady Gaga song that like everyone was crying at um, it was like I'll never love again and everyone's like ah! um, but then one time I remember sounds like, hilarious Shona yeah really funny I know um, I remember like being quite young in the pub one um Saturday night and this like one of my friends like just started crying so hard and she ran out and we're like what's wrong and she said oh this song was played at my auntie's funeral do you know what the song was baby you're all that I want when am I in here in my arms and it was like the the club version the remix <laughs> yeah I wonder if they played the remix at the funeral I really you know you know the originals like really awful isn't it like so so sad and then i think there's a bit at the start or i don't know if they did like a remix from the twin a remix but like an one that was like meant to be related to the twin towers and it was like so sad and it was like really? there's like a phone call at the start of it and stuff it's really awful oh wow no i think it was the dj sammy <laughs> the, oh the dj sammy <laughs> version yeah yeah <laughs> classic absolute classic you know i'm really up there on the uh funeral songs she pure love this song <laughs> i want an upbeat song played at my funeral for sure like yeah no sad shit highway to hill <laughs> <laughs> i play that in my spin classes sometimes <laughs> well there you go it's a good tribute yeah <laughs> it's a good one anyway should we answer some questions yeah let's... yeah why not uh, and if you're listening on the live, then just comment below with the most inappropriate song to play at a funeral. Oh, Thank yes. You. Great shout. Um, okay, so how important is the morning routine given I roll out of bed and straight into our gym at home to do my workouts? I'm already short on time as I need to get everything up or everything done before my kids wake up. Yeah, so the morning routine, the actual content of it isn't particularly important so if you're already getting up and training fine the whole emphasis behind it is starting your day doing something that's getting you closer to your goal because the psychology behind that is then you've kind of put some effort in you're more likely to put more in it's like using the sunk cost fallacy in reverse so you're using that like to better your chances of doing more behaviors that are in line with your goals like the psychology would be like oh well if i've been to the gym today i should eat healthy and it works the other way as well. But if you start your day with a positive, you're just much more likely to continue on that positive track. So it sounds like you're already starting your day exercising. So that's fantastic. I wouldn't worry too much about the morning routine. Yeah, it might, it might just be something like um, not looking at your phone first thing. Because the, the whole idea is like you're setting your day off on a certain trajectory. And if like you wake up and you and you you press snooze and then you scroll on Instagram and then so you see something that annoys you like you've already started your day off on the wrong foot so it might just be literally um 
your alarm goes off, you get out of bed, you drink a glass of water and then you go to the gym. Just something that, that sets your day off more positively. Catherine, what's yeah. your morning routine? My morning routine? Mm. The minute I don't really have one. <gasps> In lockdown, I had a really good, like a good morning routine. Like I had a good routine, but now because I think just because like work is a bit all over the place at the minute, I kind of am working at different times. I quite like to just get up and I'll make a cup of coffee. And then that's just like what I do in the morning. But since listening to the podcast with Hannah, I was like, oh no, I should probably stop doing that and wait at least an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at the minute, I actually don't have one. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of, I am very guilty of just jumping straight onto like social media or replying to messages straight away. And I think it's quite nice to be able to kind of have that like first, even half an hour of the day just to yourself, to, like your own thoughts and yeah, rather than like replying to other people. yeah and you never know what you're going to open like it could be I don't know someone unhappy with something or like something on social media that puts you in a bad mood or someone complaining about something or like I don't know a tax bill whatever like I think starting your day like in your own head with even just you know some gratitude positivity there is going to impact like your mood for the rest of the day yeah what's yours Emma well, Jonah, it's three hours long. Uh, no, it's pretty simple. Like I just, I get up, I do make a coffee. And again, I've been thinking about this. It's not the caffeine that I need. It's just the routine of doing that and then sitting down and working. Mm. So I can just have decaf, not a problem. Um, but I get up, I go for a 10 minute walk and then I have a coffee and I, I don't open emails. I just do work on other things first, which gives me a bit more of a clear headspace. And then... I log on to other stuff and then I do pull-ups and push-ups and sit-ups, not sit-ups, squats sometimes, depending on how my back is. And then I get on with my day. Yeah, that's great. It's great. Okay, Jenna's question. Hi guys, question about maintenance as I can't get my head around it. Um, How can my body composition stay the same but my weight increases within a range of say two to three kilos as my calories will go up and my steps possibly go down from 16,000 to 12,000? Should I aim to keep my steps up and just increase cals? Um, Yeah, there we go. That's the end of the question. I'm a little bit confused. Can you... Yeah, me too. (laughs) Can you just go over it again? Right, okay. How can my body composition stay the same, but my weight increases? My calories will go up, my steps... This sounds like a riddle, doesn't it? (laughs) My calories... (laughs) What am I? Um, You've got a rabbit, a man and a carrot, and they can't go on the boat (laughs) at the same time. Right, tell you what, will we... um, ask Jenna to like maybe elaborate uh, a little bit and we'll go on to the next question yeah I don't know if she's maybe like thinking okay so if I'm at maintenance why is my weight still changing yeah I mean that's I think that's definitely part of the question and a good thing to cover if you want to talk on that agreed I think yeah so like with your body composition isn't directly related to the scale weight so that's maybe the the main thing there to like look at is that your body composition can stay the same. So your body composition is like made up of your muscle mass, your bones, your skin, like rather than those fluctuations in weight, which can be caused by food volume or like higher carbohydrate days. 
Um, so that's probably one important thing to remember is that even though you are at maintenance, your scale weight may fluctuate because of things that aren't related to your body composition changing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a good point to make. And it's not even that it may fluctuate, like it will. You'll, you will weigh slightly different day to day because that is just that is just life. Like because your hydration will change because of the amount of food in you will change. Like your weight will change. That's why we look at like maintenance as a bit of a range. Some days you'll be a bit heavier, some days you'll be a bit lighter, but you're staying around the same range. And the kind of definition of maintenance is that on average, over time, you're expending the same amount of energy that you're taking in. That's maintenance. That doesn't mean that you'll always weigh the exact same amount. But yeah, like such a good point to make. So I think some people trip themselves up by thinking, well, I got to whatever, 60 kilograms, and I've moved to maintenance and I've put on two kilograms, that means I must not be at maintenance. It's like, no, that's probably totally normal. Like a bit of food volume, a bit of glycogen and fluctuations like that might normally happen around your menstrual cycle and things like that. Like that kind of range is totally expected. Cool. Um, Katie, I am a typical pear-shaped female and I'm pretty lean on the top half of my body my chest particularly, and I'm not keen on the appearance as I become more defined in that area. What push exercises can I do for upper body that switch out some of the chest work? Um, so I would uh, focus on your triceps then. So it's, if it's things like bench press, you can bring your hands in narrower and that takes away um, a lot of the, the pec work there and you're, you're more working your shoulders and your triceps. Um, I don't think there's, is there any other, like, I don't actually know the program that, uh, I've not seen the Commit to Six program that those guys are following. Is there any other, like, specific, ch is there, like, chest flies or anything like that? Yeah, I get, you could swap out chest flies. Uh, anything yeah. that's chest, like, you instead of doing, for example, push-ups, you could be doing, like, overhead stuff that's going to mm -hmm. work your chest less. Um, I think this happens quite a lot with women. Like, you get much leaner up top way quicker than you do on your bottom half and for some people they're like i don't want to be that lean up top but i still have weight to lose so mm. it's kind of a, a tricky situation i normally it's not too much muscle and it's not the fact that you're doing bench press that's making your pecs look more defined it, it's just the total body fat level and sometimes actually especially if you're quite um, and maybe lean is the wrong word but like slim up top you know i don't want to lose any more weight up top actually building more muscle makes you look fuller and that's so i don't mm -hmm. know if i would definitely cut it out but if you want to show us a photo or something then we can advise yeah you can probably yeah i agree because sorry yeah, sorry Catherine. <laughs> i agree because like it could just be that you're, you feel bony Mm -hmm. and your chest and if like if you did replace that with some muscle then it would it would change the appearance there mm -hmm. yeah I, I, even reducing volume instead of completely taking out the mm -hmm. chest exercises as well as another option i would be cautious about completely taking chest exercises out because then you're going to create muscle imbalances as well so if you are still doing like a lot of pull exercises or like row exercises you do still want to be using your chest muscles and doing some sort of push Mm -hmm. with like petals yeah yeah and most women don't have striated chest muscles it's just That's me the thing. <laughs> it is isn't it what <laughs> it is I what i think it looks so good i, I think it. it looks good mm. 
Okay, question about maintenance from Laura. I'm not there yet, but I'm struggling to know when I'll know I'm done with the fat loss phase. I'm a healthy weight now, but carrying weight around my middle. I know that needs to go, but once it's not so bad, will it be obvious it's time to maintain? P.S. I'm 41, so no, I can't get so, so, so lean as my face will sag. I need a bit of fat on me. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, there isn't a definitive point at which you need to go to maintenance. It's totally up to you, which I know is hard. I did a whole podcast on this. I can't remember. I think it was called Cost Benefit. I'll try and post it. But if you look through and there's one called cost benefit and it's essentially how you make decisions about anything. So the time to stop losing body fat is when the cost of further body fat no longer outweighs the benefit. Did I say that the right way around? The yeah. benefit. Yeah, basically the cost is higher than the benefit you're going to get from it. And the the cost might be like your social life, your enjoyment like the stress that you're putting on yourself, um, your exercise performance, like it could be anything. It might not necessarily be directly related to your healthy body fat percentage or anything like that. It's not a definitive thing. It's, so that's why it's different for everyone. That's why we can't say, yes, as soon as you reach X, that's when you move to maintenance. Like it's so different. And anyone within a sort of like healthy weight range, which is again, a pretty big range. Yeah, go to maintenance. If you feel like you wanna go to maintenance, Equally, there's not this huge difference between dieting and maintenance. And you might say, do you know what? I'd still like to lose a little bit of fat, but I want to bring my calories up a little bit. So I'm in a slightly smaller deficit. I'm not in a huge rush. I'm enjoying the process. I'm building muscle. I'm fueling myself well. I know that I'm erring on the side of a little bit of deficit. So I'm going to lose fat over time. And I'm just going to continue like this for the foreseeable future. Okay, oh, here we go. Next question from Sarah. Um, or is it a question? She just wants to say thank you to all the coaches and all of the group members for being so incredibly welcoming and supportive. Uh, okay, so there's no question. They're just a really nice comment. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I was wondering what happens after the six weeks. Does the Facebook group stay up and are you still able to access my PT hub? Or does everything finish and we join as committed when the next round of Committed 6 starts? Thank you. Yeah, you move on to Committed and you'll still have access to the hub, but you'll have different workouts and everything progresses. But yeah, you just stay. We will. We do change the Facebook group, but you'll have access to that as well. Um, continued from Caroline. Uh, with regards to training, are there specific gym workouts on the plan we should always do weekly or is it fine to mix them up? Yeah, I would always do, so you want to do a minimum of three per week, push-pull legs, every single week, ideally. If you're not doing that, then just shoot us a message and we can figure out, because some people are, I don't know, doing, in fact, someone's just commented here doing triathlon training and, and other things, so we can make things work around what you've got going on. But yeah, I wouldn't just randomly pick them, like, they are programmed in a certain way for a certain reason so that you're hitting all your body parts. Um, okay, so question here. Does swimming count as a training session? I train with a triathlon squad, so it's a structured session rather than general swim. Would that be okay as a training session or do I need to also be doing three to six weight sessions? Three to six. Um, would a swim session and two weight sessions be classed as hitting the commit to six objectives? Um, 
yeah it's always fitting it around you like realistically will you get better results from at least hitting those three resistance training workouts yes does exercise count I mean, sorry, does swimming count? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not giving the same benefits as resistance training. So it's a slightly different stress on the body, which will create a slightly different response. So of course it counts. And of course it's great that you're doing that. But I would still personally like you to get three resistance training workouts in. Yeah, agreed. I think if you've got time to fit three in as well as your triathlon training, then go for it. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Um, hello, everyone. Regarding the six pieces of fruit and veg per day, is this in addition to meals or can it count if it is part of a meal? For example, if I have a banana in my smoothie for breakfast, does that count as one piece of fruit? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked your post yesterday about how five is good, but 10 is even better. Yeah. And it, it's quite interesting because I can see why like government guidelines are five because I think sometimes when it's so far out of your reach, when you're like, oh, we want you to get 10 in, you're like, oh, I struggle to get more than three in a day. You can just think, oh, well, what's the point? When actually you're going to see the biggest benefit going from no fruit to three pieces of fruit a day. So it's always worth it. But yeah, I think it was just interesting that most people think oh well five is enough and we always put six on commit to six because like above average, right? we're, we're above average basically yeah. that's why we do twelve thousand steps not ten thousand steps do you steps, think like... it would be like too much to ask people to do 10 a day i think that a lot of people worry about that yeah that, and yeah. it will put people off and and we see that all the time right sometimes we'll say things like oh let's try and get your steps up to twelve thousand. when people are like i couldn't manage that they just don't do any more at all when actually it's even more important if you're going from 4,000 to 6,000. Like that's actually going to give you an even bigger benefit than going from 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. But it, it can be a bit demotivating when you're like, oh, if that's the target and I'm only getting here. Like you kind of feel like giving up. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting about the 10 fruit and veg servings. Mm -hmm. I think I get about that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you split it up? Just like at least sort of three with every meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well done, you. You're so I know. healthy. Thanks. Thanks. Shout out to my gut microbiome. <laughs> Woo! Woo! So diverse. Woo! <laughs> um. Okay. So, although I'm only two days into commit to six, this was a week ago. I have been listening to the ESG podcasts for a few weeks prior. I also started two to three PT sessions six weeks ago. Daily walks to keep the step count at ten k. Um, my weight has never changed. I recorded that as my start weight on the app power today. Suddenly I weigh 1.5 kilos lighter. I'm obviously very happy, but also completely get that it means very little. My question is, will this give me a false reading during my check-ins with the coach? I still haven't got round to uploading pics and taking my measurements yet. Uh, no, that no. won't give you a false reading. Um, that's totally normal as well. Like fat loss or weight loss, more to the point, isn't linear. Like you will see sometimes it just like overnight, you're like, oh, there's the two kilograms I've been working to lose, just drop off. Like it's not, that happens all the time. And when it, what's funny is that there's this weird like psychology behind the scales where, you know, someone will understand the scales enough to say something like that. And they'll say, I know this doesn't mean anything. Like, 
oh it came off overnight so it doesn't mean anything like i'm sure it's not fat because it came off overnight like it is fat it just the fruition of your hard work appeared on the scales in a short period of time that's normal but equally if you try and tell someone that the other way and you're like if you put this weight on overnight it literally cannot be fat they're like they won't buy it like it definitely is though it's literally impossible for that to have happened given the behaviors that you've like that you've done so the scale weight is weird but yeah that sounds like you're making great progress yeah well done um okay diana something that i've been thinking about following chat on previous group does years of restricting over exercising etc make it harder for your body to adapt to being well fueled and having consistent nutrition does it take longer to reach an equilibrium or do you think it's more of a struggle with mindset and the fear of gaining weight and feeling less in control? Um, I would say that, yeah, it's it's definitely the latter. Like, it takes a while to repair that relationship. If you've had, if you've had bad experiences with dieting or a bad experience with a coach, it does take a long time to like undo those um, sort of myths or false rules that you've been set. Um, and and re- actually realize that with commit to six we're we're making it much more simple much more easy and and much more healthy for you so yeah I think it's more the latter what would you two say yeah I think like the physiological adaptations that you actually see in your body if you have been dieting for a long long time are actually so like minimal when you compare it to what Shona's just spoken about like there is a small difference in like your the energy that you're burning at rest but it, it's it's barely nothing like it doesn't impact when you compare it to that yeah agreed um I think and it's not just like poor experience with a coach or something like it's literally been ingrained in you from day one via the media yeah, like yeah. diet culture and over restriction and maybe your parents diet or like your mum on a diet or seeing like I don't know ads for super skinny tea or just the way that people generally talk about dieting which is for a finite period of time of over restriction like the first thing that people ask often when someone's like oh I'm on a diet oh when does that finish like how long is it like that whole Mm -hmm. connotation around like the word diet which has been drilled in you for your whole life like that's really hard to work against so it's way 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 more to do with the mindset around it than anything else and I had a really interesting discussion with I just took on a one-to-one client who sent me this big long you know like a bit of an introduction like getting to know a little bit going back and forward a bit and it just it really uh it made me really think because I think me I don't know eight years ago like maybe when I was just starting I would have totally given in to this and essentially what she was saying is she's like I've got a very all-or-nothing mindset if you tell me to do something I'll I'll stick to it 100%. Just tell me exactly what to do. What I want is I want a meal plan. I want someone to tell me when to eat it, what to do, blah, blah, blah. And it was like the first time I was like, there's absolutely no way I'm doing that. Like, I mean, it probably not the first time, but like, I just remember thinking previously, I probably would have been like, oh, that's what they want. Like, I'll just give them that. Yeah. And instead of that, and how you really get someone to change your mind, their mindset is be like, okay, take a step back. Let's look at your dieting history. Let's look at your life up to this point. Because usually what you'll see when you do that is, yo-yo dieting cycles and she'd even said that before like i'm a typical yo-yo dieter this is why because you're asking for over restriction because you're going out and looking for over restriction and because you're reinforcing that message that that works for you 
because previously you've had quote unquote success, albeit short term, by over restricting, but it's not how you get long term success. And that's the real difference in our approach is like we want people to not just get results, but see results for a prolonged period of time. It would be freaking easy for us to give you a six week meal plan and be like, stick to this. Stick to like all of these principles, just do it. Don't think about it. Let us tell you what to do. If you don't do what your coach says, like that's your own fault, done. Like that would be really easy to get great transformation photos, but that isn't what we're about. And we wanna give you the tools and like the autonomy that this is gonna last and it's not a short-term over-restrictive thing. It's long-term behavior change. And it always seems to come back to that like perfectionist mindset, that Mm. imperfect action. But knowing that you, yeah, sure, everyone can stick to something for a short period of time. It's not like, it's not particularly impressive, but you keep compounding that message in your head of, I'm the kind of person that if you just tell me what to do, I'll stick to it. Yeah, because you're not using your head, like, because you're not thinking about it. You're just blindly Mm. following something and it's only ever going to last for a short period of time. And there is the, like, I mean, that's how so much of diet marketing works. And I can see the draw of it. Like, even I get that sometimes, like pro- not so much with diet, but with other things, it's like, I just want someone to tell me what to do because I don't want to think about it. Now, yeah, but you're always going to be reliant on someone telling you what to do. So at some point you have to take mm. responsibility for that and kind of figure it out yourself and find that like balance middle ground. Yeah, it's it's incredible how people come from a place where they've just always, always restricted. Like restrictions been the key because I've had a one-to-one client start recently and she's um, got an injury so she can train. And she said, so should I just cut out carbs then because I'm not training? And I'm like, no, no, please don't do that. Like, I don't know where you've got that from. Um, But like, imagine how shit you'd feel. You've injured yourself and how extra shit you're going to feel after having no carbs (laughs) with an injury. So yeah, I think it's that like... um, trying to get rid of that restriction mindset yeah yeah people think it has to be like really really difficult yeah really like make them miserable and it does not have to be like that I think sometimes people trip themselves up when they realize it's not that difficult and they're like looking because they're used to diets being awful they're like Mm -hmm. well what else can I do and they're like no you're losing like I'm sure that this first check-in you're like this is what will happen it will be some people like, oh yeah, I'm hitting all the, the steps. Like I'm, I'm getting everything in. I'm doing really well. I feel really good and I'm losing weight. So now that I've managed that, like what else can I do? And it's like, you're always looking to push yourself and do more. It's like, no, no, no. With the rest of that energy, time, motivation that you have, go and live your life. Go and live, like go and enjoy yourself. You don't have to put so much focus on this. This can be going along in the background. You're already ticking all the boxes here. You're already moving in the right direction and making progress. And sometimes that's when people are like, it's too easy. I could probably cut my calories. You don't freaking need to cut your calories. Like you're already making progress. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that I think part of that comes from like obviously everyone wants quick results. But I think there is an element of like I'm used to this being harder, or I expected it to be harder, or I can push myself more, so maybe I should. And I think that can trip people up as well. Mm. Okay, it's a long one. Strap yourself in. Um, hey, so I'm a bit all over the place with everything and hope my question makes sense. I train a lot already and have a wealth of knowledge through my job and experience, but when it comes to my own nutrition, I'm shit. 
and can't seem to stop pecking in the evening or feel like as soon as I start eating, I lose control and don't know when to stop and can't help myself. Uh, are there tools, tools you can recommend for this? Hmm. I feel knackered, which isn't helped by my interrupting sleep with kids, but my training always feels like hard work and I'm not sure if because heavier or not fueling adequately as I can't eat before I train as it makes me feel sick and sometimes don't even don't eat as much after as busy. Oh God, there's so much here. Um, and then I eat a lot in the evening, but still, maybe still within the calories. Just feels like I'm never going to get below 75, then 70 kilos has been this weight for so long. Oh, wow. There's just a lot. There's just a lot there. Someone's kind of stressed out. Right, Hannah, I'm sending you a hug. Yeah, I think, yeah. The podcast. We're all sending hugs. And then yeah. a bit of reassurance in that slow down, take it one yeah. step at a time, identify what the biggest barrier is to you now. And that's what you need to speak to your coach about at check-in. And we will find solutions. Like, that is what we're here for. But to reassure you, it is not a lack of ability. You can absolutely do it. Yeah, Yeah, I think as well, it's quite common for for people who work in this industry um, to kind of feel a bit like you get that sort of like, it's not imposter syndrome, but... um, like you can you're really good at telling people what to do but actually like following it yourself like that's so common so don't worry about that Hannah um it could be that you're you're like you're literally looking after everyone else before yourself because you've got kids as well so um something I told one of my clients um to do this week is try and find time I know it's so hard when you've got kids and you've got clients and all this other stuff in your life try and find time just for yourself um, like literally doing nothing, not even training, just like spend some time just being alone and, and you can think about everything that you've got um, coming up and it just gives you a chance to like switch your brain off for a second because it sounds like you're just getting really overwhelmed and, and thinking about everything too much, but it is simple and you can absolutely do it. Um, but as Emma said, like we've all got barriers, um, but it doesn't make it impossible. You know, some people really struggle with time alone. Yeah. Like, that's another thing as well. Like, and I think it's partly why people struggle so much with meditation. It's not, it's not time alone sitting on your phone, scrolling through Instagram, because effectively you're kind of with people, right? Or messaging someone. Mm. Like, time alone, actually alone, with no distractions, maybe just a book or something. That's, yeah. Some people really, really struggle just to sit with their own emotions and just kind of let things chill going mm-hmm. for a walk or something like without your phone without listening to a podcast without music just being mm-hmm. at one with I think nature especially, especially if you're really busy all the time and you're used to just like running around from one thing to the next mm. just like that slowing down just feels like so out of the normal doesn't it so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I think it doesn't have to be a really, you know, you don't have to be like, right, I'll try and schedule out three days of the week that I'm going to go away and just be with, on my own. Like, it can literally be half an hour. It could just be yeah. half an hour mm-hmm. where you just switch off, turn things off. Everything will be there when you get back in half an hour. Nothing's going to change in that period of time. But you can chill out and you can get some perspective. I think it's really hard to, to have perspective when you're in everything and trying to do a million things at once. And back to like being a personal trainer or working in the industry and still struggling, like that is completely normal and inevitable. Like I'm willing to bet 
therapists struggle with their mental health like it does not make you a fraud in fact if anything like it's quite what's the right word well it's authentic isn't it like yeah i, I struggle with these things too like and I, whether they admit it or not most personal trainers struggle with the same things they're trying to help you with of course like we're all human we've not like next level like, or oh, none of these problems that you have i have ever struggled with or struggle with still like that's partly why we're good coaches because we understand what you're feeling because we probably feel a lot of that as well and like this is maybe what's worked for us or what's worked for most of our clients and it's that yeah like don't feel like that makes you any less of a i don't know if you're a pt or you work in nutrition but that's totally normal mm. Yeah. Um, that, so, did she mention something about like snacking a lot? Um. Mm, yep, she did. Uh, I can't seem to stop pecking in the evening, or feel like as soon as I start eating, I lose control and don't know when to stop or can't help myself. Yeah, it sounds like you've over restricted during the day, and I know that you're saying I can't eat before training because I feel sick when I eat before training. But you need to figure out a way to eat yeah. more calories during the day so that you're not overly hungry and then overeating in the evening so that's probably the number one thing to figure out first because that can happen when you're you know over hungry and then you start eating and you're like oh, i can't even stop because your hunger levels don't really catch up with you and the other thing about that is is just take a pause as well like have your normal portion and then just pause like take 10 minutes where you don't eat anything and you just stop and you maybe you have a cup of tea or something then if you want to go back and have something else, fine. But again, it's that like slowing down and having perspective. And like, I struggled with this previously because I'd get in from work so freaking hungry. And then like, I'd just be in this like mad rush as if like I only had five minutes to eat, even though I had like the rest of the night. And you'd just be like, yeah, I think just literally just slowing down and being like, okay, just take a breath. Like you're hungry, but if you can still wait five minutes for stuff to actually cook and whatever so yeah just slowing down a little bit i think is the most important thing here yep okay um a question for emma story gordon regarding journaling writing down action points reflections and how you organize all these ideas thoughts and plans etc when you have multiple projects businesses all happening at once do you have a separate book journal for each or does it all go in one place? I love writing and have a journal I use for my own self-development reflections. However, I then scribble any work things down in a different place. And then I pr procrastinate about where I should write down all my fitness goals. And in the end, the thoughts and decision making of these stupid things become so massive that I just don't do it. But I know I should. Just wondering how you manage it all. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't really journal about each business, although businesses might come into what I'm writing in my journal sometimes. Um, but I do have like different business structures and notes that I write for each thing. And I have a big whiteboard that has each business and what needs done. Like and I scross, like cross out what has been done and any sort of action points that need to take place. So there's that like visual, which I think is important or useful to me anyway but you can do that like there's so many things online now that you can have like different boards for different projects that you've got going on and like lists on each of them to see what needs done and what doesn't need done and 
And yeah, if you've got like team members and stuff, there's just so many things like on Google Drives or shared calendars and all this kind of stuff that if you want to get everyone integrated or have like mood boards and stuff, you can. But I would say keep it simple because it sounds like you're already procrastinating with this. Like mm. keep your own journal and then have a work one for stuff you need to get done for work. That's it. Like simple. Mm -hmm. Is it the six minute journal that you use? Shoni uses that. Yeah, that's, that's the one I used, yeah. Yeah. Do you still use it? No. It, but it really did help when I did use it. <laughs> yeah, I, I it, think it's it, really it's useful. Like a great habit to get into, definitely. I think it's really useful initially as well. Because if someone's like, yeah. you need to journal. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, but what, like, about what? And you're like, mm -hmm. well, you just need to start like questioning your own thoughts. It's like, okay, but like, what, yeah. what do I say? That's really useful because it gives you a bit of structure. Mm. Yeah, the check-ins the check-ins as well are really useful when mm. it comes to like writing out your thoughts so if you want somewhere that's almost separate for like your fitness goals then use that and take advantage of that and write write as much as you want in it as well because that's also like I find that really therapeutic sorry Shun <laughs> like writing loads of my check-in responses but yeah that will help as well yeah to give context yeah. Catherine also, is Shona's client we all keep it very close in the <laughs> in the community so here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's, it's forced journaling really. And also you kind of have to make sense at least semi of what your thoughts are because you write it down. And often like I'll find if I'm thinking about something, I write it down, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes no sense. Or I'm like, oh, okay, that does make sense. Now that I've written it down, I do get where this all links up and like how this works. And the same is true with like your thoughts around things like, oh, you know, you might have written down that comment, this question that we were talking about, about snacking and things in the evening. You're like, oh yeah, well, I'm not eating before training. And then you're like, oh, okay. I'm barely eating during the day. That's why I'm so hungry when I come home. That's when I end up overeating when I come home. And you're sort of like putting the dots together. And they're like, okay, what are the action points here? Okay, great. Like you're forced to make sense of it yourself. And that's really useful. And I think most people, I know myself included, like, don't really do that unless you've got a check-in or someone's going to read it or there's a reason to be doing it so it's kind of forcing you to make sense of your own thoughts mm. yeah um I used to have a job when I was a student and we would do study skills with teenagers and one thing that we would always like help people with is like discovering what type of learner they were because you know how you get like audio visual kinesthetic learners um and some people who are like visual learners love to make notes. They love to make them really pretty with all their post-it notes and stuff like that. But that actually is such a waste of time. And it's, it's, so, it's absolutely procrastinating. And the amount of time that you could spend actually doing something, like putting some action out there instead of just writing it down. Like I don't actually write down much when it comes to work. Like I use the notes app in my phone my journals for like personal stuff or thoughts but I I just need to get it done rather than like because I could spend ages getting my colored pens out making it really pretty but do you know I personally think it's just a bit of a waste of time when you're procrastinating just get it done yes yeah. put some actions in place and be like right okay if I do this today that'll get me closer to it rather than just writing down about writing about it Agreed. At work, they always like encourage us to use like spreadsheets 
to make big project plans and I'll have like all the dates of like all the weeks across like the next two years and I'm like why am I doing this like I could just actually just be doing the work yeah I don't, I don't find that sort of thing that useful yeah. yeah I think too much planning is not helpful and you're right like you can that's why as I was talking about all those like apps and like mood boards and stuff I was like actually <laughs> scrap that because <laughs> like I think so many people have like all these like yeah you just you could literally spend all day planning stuff and yeah. not taking yeah. any action just do it yeah same with like things on your to-do list if it's literally going to take you almost as long to write it on your to-do list as just to freaking mm. do it now yeah. just do it like yeah and and I really like as well like if I have an idea about something or maybe an idea about a solo podcast or something instead of thinking oh, I'll just wait until I've got everything together in my head and then write it all down or like make notes on it I just spew whatever's in my head and then I just put like filler space so it'll be like notes that wouldn't make sense to anyone but will make sense to me and that's essentially how I normally do the solo ones anyway but that just like getting out of your head really quite useful and I think a lot of writers do that because I saw it on a writing blog tip thing and it was like just just put spaces and just write filler so it could be like an idea filler, an idea filler. And you kind of know in your head what you're going to say at those points. But until you come to actually write the article, like you don't need to fill all those spaces. Yeah. Okay, Ellen. Um, swim, bike, run is something I enjoy and also forms part of my social life, especially at weekends. But in the past, I've also used it as a means to get a calorie deficit and lose weight i was doing iron man events ultra swims bikes and runs i'm trying to break the cycle of exercising to lose weight or thinking i need to get loads of cardio to lose weight this is a really important goal for me to get out of commit to six uh oh my goodness this is a really long question um so yeah i think essentially um tips on how to do that sorry tips on how to move away from thinking yeah, 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 that's essentially what it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you kind of know. You just need to keep reassuring yourself and questioning yourself about it. Like, if you create a deficit, it doesn't matter if you're exercising or not, you will lose body fat. And I think moving away from... I just reminding yourself that you're enjoying the exercise and not... I mean, if you are doing things like tracking how many calories you burnt during the workout, stop doing that. It's literally the least interesting thing about your exercise session. And stop worrying so much about energy expenditure and just enjoying exercise. Maybe have a listen to the episode about all of the health benefits of building muscle mass, for example. And then you're not thinking, oh, this is why I need to go for a run today because I need to earn my dinner tonight. You're thinking, oh, these are, you know, if I build muscle, then my long-term health is going to be improved massively in all these different ways. And that's exciting to me now, not just simply expending more energy. Mm. Yeah, and even thinking about like your food as a means to like fuel your performance in your exercise as well, I think is maybe a good kind of like flip it on its head and think about it the other way as well. Yeah, I like that. So instead of thinking I'm going to run off this dinner, you're thinking I need to have this dinner so that I can perform and or so that my body can adapt to the stresses it's been under today via exercise or whatever. Yeah. Thriving thriving not just surviving oh yes 
Um, should I be doing stretching post lifting to avoid injury? And should I be aiming for progressive overload each week by adding weight or rep, reps or sets? Shana, you're the yoga guru. <laughs> well, from like a personal perspective, like so I do CrossFit um, and then I also became a yoga teacher as well. I was injured way less after I became a yoga teacher. So that's just my personal experience. Um, and whether that's because when I was doing yoga, I was obviously doing a lot of core work as well. So I had a stronger core to support my body. Um, whether I had better body awareness as well, because like I was actually like stretching and, and think like yoga makes you like really aware of your body. So maybe like my technique got better. I don't know if it's anything to do with like being flexible um, made me better at CrossFit. I definitely I, think I, mobility. Mobility, yeah, absolutely. But then that's not necessarily stretching. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but I would say that yoga, I mean, you know much more about it than me, but like most of yoga tends, or a lot of it tends to be quite flowy. And I would see that more yeah. as mobility because you're moving in and out of these yeah. positions as opposed to just... Like, if you're asking, should I do static stretching post-workout? The answer is absolutely not, no. But maybe some dynamic stuff, maybe a bit of a cool-down might benefit. There isn't, like, as much... As much as it's, like, common wisdom that stretching reduces injuries, there's actually not that much <clears throat> evidence to support that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I when you're like, your level two gym instructor when you go through all of that course, and they're like, then you have to pick five stretch yeah because at the end to do yeah I think yeah you can you can waste a lot of time at the end of a workout and at the start of the workout like warming up and foam rolling and stretching and doing mobility work but I I feel like I don't know enough about stretching and yoga particularly to like answer mm. that yeah I, I would say um personally I think like your benefit is before your workout um, if you're going to be doing any sort of warm up, like stretching or like not so much stretching, but like mobility stuff, like moving through certain ranges of motion. Um, but afterwards, like most people just want to get out of the gym, don't they? So, um, yeah. yeah. Although saying that, if you are like, if one of your goals for some reason was to be more flexible, like to do the splits or something, I would always do that post workout because if you do it before yeah. your workout, not in the do you tend to be colder but also you're reducing the stretch reflex reaction that occurs when you lift weights so you probably don't want to do that before a workout if you mm. had some specific flexibility goals but I often think that kind of from stuff like your level two personal training qualification or whatever you're this is like forced upon people like oh you should have a strength goal an endurance goal a flexibility goal blah 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 and it's like no, none of my clients have ever come to me being like I just want to get more flexible like I don't care about fat loss I just want to do flexibility like the, I guess there are people that care about that but like I think for yeah. most people that isn't like their sole purpose or or very interesting to them yeah and I would even say like quite a lot of people that come to my yoga classes that's not even their goal and <laughs> um, like they just want like a an hour to chill out and relax and move their body and do something that feels nice yeah actually so, yeah. Back, back to that question was it Fiona that was the personal trainer or works in nutrition yeah 
something like that if you need to be forced to take time out something like mm. a class is often quite good and i wouldn't go for like a high intensity thing because you, you're kind of wanting to chill but something like a yoga class where you can't possibly go and get your phone or start chatting to someone like you are forced to just like you know you are obviously concentrating on your movements and things but you, you can think a lot during that time and there isn't as much chat and yeah i just think something like that might be quite useful mm definitely uh oh second part of that question should i be aiming for progressive overload each week by adding reps or weight or sets no you follow the exact gym programs as they are as soon as you can lift heavier for the given rep range you lift heavier for the given rep range don't change the sets or reps we program those okay um also what constitutes a portion of fruit or veg easy if you're talking about an apple what about broccoli or strawberries as an example yeah and so the research would suggest 80 grams per serving that's actually not that much is it i don't know because i never weigh stuff like that so i don't know i'd say like 80 grams of broccoli is like four or five florets yeah but that's a decent portion florets florets you know what I'm a little bit obsessed with at the moment is frozen peas. I love them. I could literally, there's no exaggeration. I actually think I could eat like potentially a full bag, like, you know, a big bag of frozen peas. Like, I think I could. Take it to the next level, a bag of frozen sweet corn as well, mix them in together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jake. No, but sometimes I just think mm, the peas on their own, it's enough. Okay. Okay. I don't want to like, I like the sweet corn, but I think I'd have it on the side. I don't know if I'd mix them. Mm-hmm. So just like a plate of peas? I could eat a plate of peas, yeah. I mean, I've not been doing that, but like, I I think I would enjoy it. Even just like peas and chicken. <laughs> that might be what I have for dinner tonight. <laughs> so delicious. Mm. I actually made... Isn't um, everyone really sauce? sad that I don't do meal like, plans? It was... Um, you know what? Do you know what pesto is? Of course, you know what pesto is. <laughs> do you I know? know what... I know, but do you know what pesto is actually made of? Yeah, basil, pine nuts, yeah, olive oil. So you could make. Uh, I made a pesto with peas, with frozen peas, as a pasta sauce. It was really, really good. Yeah, but did you have like actual pesto, but then also peas? No, it was made with peas. I'll send you the recipe. What? So, but was there any basil in it? Uh, yeah, there was basil in it. Basically, it was just like pesto with added peas. Right, that's what I said. <laughs> Shit back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that sounds good. Do you know what I think I could have? Just peas what? and pesto. <laughs> like low-carb pasta pesto. I think I'd quite enjoy that. I might try that tonight. I'm just imagining what she peas. I don't know why. That's mm. what it was like. That's what it looked like. But it was a really, it was really tasty because it had like garlic and oil. And oh yeah, it was really good. And uh, parmesan. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay, so is there a way to tell at home without calipers if you have excess fat on your tummy and can therefore lose it or if it is skin? Yeah, I mean, the most crude way is probably just like, is does it feel like skin or does it feel like fat? Like, is it jiggly like fat and there's something underneath there or is it just skin? You don't need calipers to tell you that. And in fact, calipers wouldn't really tell you that. Um, 
but also if you want to show us a photo and we can offer some expert advice but normally you can you can tell mm-hmm. and if also if i would loose, say then it's probably skin like if it's like yeah, if you can like pull it out then it's probably skin but i would say if you're questioning that it's probably skin mm, yeah yeah um okay i don't fully understand the benefit of eating so much protein it sometimes feels like wasting calories i would rather spend on other things that i prefer also if we aren't managing many resistance workouts is it still as beneficial mm. okay firstly That's- it's probably more important to eat more protein if you're not doing as many resistance training workouts. The reason that we want you to eat enough protein is to spare lean body mass so that you're not losing muscle mass, for example, or so that you're building muscle mass if you're stimulating that muscle and you're recovering from exercise. The other benefit when you're dieting is it reduces hunger, so it's much more satiating than either carbs or um, fat. And actually, the targets that everyone's been given are very low in comparison to what most people would say. So the research would suggest probably upwards of, I, I think there's some evidence for three grams per kilogram body weight, but that just seems ridiculous to me. But most people would suggest at least two grams per kilogram body weight if you're looking to maximize muscle protein synthesis. We've set you a pretty low minimum. Um, so I wouldn't really want you to go below that if I'm totally honest yeah i think you'd you'd if you don't fully understand the benefit that is a really good podcast um i can't remember which number it is um i will find it out in a second but there's a really good podcast on the esg fitness um podcast that's all about the benefits of of muscle mass and the benefits of protein is that right yeah 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 the benefits of muscle for health as opposed yeah. to anything else because you might be thinking well i didn't really care about how much muscle i have i just want to lose weight but actually you do care about how much muscle you have you just don't know it yet <laughs> <laughs> like it's so so important to health and not only that but if you, even if you're simply like i don't even care about my health i just want to lose weight it's just want to lose fat you're gonna lose more lean tissue not more body fat if you're not eating enough protein so that's important and also like i said just for adherence to diet like it is much easier to stick to your diet if you're getting enough protein because you feel much more satiated honestly yeah. like you said i would rather spend your cat you'd rather spend your calories on other things that you prefer like maybe pop up, pop up a little post in the group and get some ideas on different protein sources because there might be things that you've not tried that you might actually really like and enjoy and <gasps> add into your diet sorry yeah. i yeah that's such a great point i just picked something up right and i thought it was just like something on my desk but it's not it's like it's like... a pee oh no wait can you see oh my god it's like eating <laughs> yeah and Ooh, the bottom an bit of it had like squiggle bit and i think it's like it's intestines popping out the bottom ah! i can't really i would not be able to touch that i'd be like nope Oh. You know, one of them crawled over my pillow. I was like lying, looking at my phone, and it crawled in between my face and the phone. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I think they're scarier than spiders. Like, yeah, they're disgusting. And and why is like why is there pincers? What do they do with that? What's that for? Is that like for you catching know, stuff? 
when you were a kid did you ever like hear the rumor that if they went into like because they're called an earwig they go into your ear and yes. would like eat your brain yeah but yeah. what why are they called earwigs i have no idea i'm gonna google it google it please Google. earwig oh god <laughs> okay um Maybe. What do you think about slaters? Do you like slaters? Of course not. They're gross. Slaters. Uh, woodlouse. Woodlouse, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think they're cute. Oh my god, they're awful. Why? So why is it? Mm. Have you read the Wikipedia description of an airwig? What? Airwigs are mostly nocturnal and often hide in small, moist crevices during the <laughs> like your ears. <laughs> Oh my god, since ancient times, these little bugs have been said to crawl into the ears of humans and lay their eggs. (gasps) (laughs) Some even believe that they burrow into our brains. In fact, earwigs get their name from the reputation of crawling into the ears of humans. Oh my god, this is quite shocking. Also, I've seen quite a few recently. How many are inside your brain right now? Oh god! One airwig for every business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's done a whole thing about like, why do I have earwigs in my apartment and or home? How did they get inside? Yeah, apparently it's due to the weather conditions. Maybe it's too cold outside for them now. Someone's just commented, guys, guys, this is giving me the boat. <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, I feel no. and also now it's guts are somewhere like on my desk. I love that you lifted it right up for the camera. You well, like... I just wanted the full experience for everyone on the live, you know. <laughs> You're all welcome. Should we do the last question before I uh clean my desk? <laughs> okay. Do you have or will you be producing Commit to Six merch? Merch. I see you wear the EC method tops all the time, and I would definitely buy a Commit to Six hoodie, crop top, thong, face <laughs> mask. <laughs> I, I added thong, face mask. Bandana, <laughs> flag for my house. <laughs> um, you can get Andy to model them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can. If there's a demand, I can. No, no. I kind of. I stopped. I stopped doing it because it was just a bit bitty, and I didn't like all the bits. But actually, yeah. Do you know what? I've had a load of people asking for EC method stuff as well, and I've just been like, sorry, I don't do it anymore. But sure, sure. I think part of the reason, like in all honesty, is it doesn't make any money, (laughs) and it costs a lot of time. I'm just being. I'm just being. um, Emma. Authentic. What? You don't do everything just to make money. No, this you is do my... to make people happy. Well, this is my point. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make any money and it costs me quite a lot of time to do. It makes me quite unhappy. But it's good promotion, isn't it? And if people want to wear it, like, that's a huge honour. Like, if I see someone wearing EC stuff or, like, commit sick stuff or anything, I'm like, that's really nice. So I'll do it. Can we all wear matching T-shirts on the podcast? Yes, it will be essential that we all wear our uniform. <laughs> <laughs> At all times, actually. Not just on the podcast. 
Okay. Great. Well, that was fun. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Well, I'm a little bit traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.